reading Joshua chapter 6, verse 23. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. I want to preach tonight by the help of the Holy Ghost for a little while on the subject, the significance of a scarlet thread. The significance of a scarlet thread. Amen. There has never been a time when hell has not been actively involved in warring against God's people. To put it mildly, Satan hates anyone who would consider them a themselves a follower of Christ. He aims at destroying any and all who are not following his command. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is the devourer the accuser of the brethren, the wicked one. And he is not ignorant, for he understands that he has but a short time to work. I believe that in the day in which we live, the enemy has elevated his game in attacking the church. The level of demonic influence has risen at an alarming rate. I want you to hear what I'm fixing to say, music which was Lucifer's gift from God, is being used like never before to target the human mind. Social media has provided the enemy with another avenue whereby his wickedness can be propagated. Make no mistake about it. Satan has a plan. He has planned his work and is now working his plan. I believe tonight that he is not necessarily aimed at the widows, the elderly, the middle-aged, or even the singles. But caught in the crosshairs of hell's artillery is one key institution that provides the building blocks of the church, and that is the family structure. The families in our churches seem to be battered and beaten. Stories of children going haywire. Marriages unraveling are increasing at an alarming rate. For within our culture, the basic and fundamental unit of one man and one woman for life is no longer basic and fundamental because the enemy is set out to systematically redefine the institution of marriage. Allow me this opportunity in this platform to say without a reservation that the Word of God still declares that marriage must be between one man and one woman for life. Hear me when I refer to an onslaught, an assault on our homes. I'm speaking of something broader than the enemy attempting to redefine marriage. I think his plan reaches beyond just redefining marriage. I believe it's an assault against the bedrock 
principles that support our family structure. I believe it's an assault on godly living. It's an assault on authority in our home. It's an assault on the relationship between parents and children. It's an assault against the benchmark and the hallmark of our apostolic identity. And it's an assault against the application of the separation from the world. And some would say that our greatest threat comes from ungodly legislators with too much power. Some would say that it comes from professors whose agenda is to warp the minds of their students. Some would say that immoral role models elevated by society as the who's who of the modern world. But I believe tonight that the greatest danger does not come from those outside sources. But the greatest danger in our homes is what goes on in our homes. Every one of us here tonight, every one of us watching blow by blow and battle by battle, the enemy of our soul is doing more damage than any judge or any legislator can do. Because we're in a conflict for the souls of our kids. We're in a war for the long-term stability of our marriage. And we're in a war for the spiritual legacy handed to our children. The church has got to arise now more than ever before. And put on the whole armor of God. And understand with me that enough is enough. I declare tonight not one more marriage. Not one more teenager. Not one more backslider. Not one more child. Not one more spouse. We've got to rise as the army of Christ and realize that we're not fighting flesh and blood but we're fighting in the spirit and we have to take a stand. Amen. Children that grew up in our Sunday schools don't belong to the world when they go to college. I'm mad tonight that a devil who thinks that he can claim our kids that we have invested so much in it's not right for us to spend 18 years investing in children and all of a sudden they go crazy when they get out on their own. I believe it's time that something stirs in our hearts. I believe that we have to have the heart of a mama and a daddy and a grandparent that begin to pray and not just live on the defense, but live on the offense. You see, it's an assault against the bread, bedrock principles. That support our family structure. It's an assault on godly living. It's an assault on everything that we once held so dear. And we can't let the world press us into a certain mold. The systems of the world should not affect or define our thinking. We must be aware that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. What's the difference? Let me give you the easiest way I know to explain it. When you go to a body of water, you can stand in that water. You can swim in that water. But your life source is not water. It's air. But while you're in the water, fish are in that water. You can throw a fish on land. And it can't survive because its life source is not air, it's water. 
Water can represent the world, and air can represent the spirit. Our life source is air or the wind of the spirit. We can go out into the water or into the world, and we can operate and we can swim if I could use it like that. But we have to keep in mind that that is not what gives us our life. The spirit, the air gives us our life. God did not call his people to isolation. He called them to separation. Jesus, if you read the Gospels, which I believe is the greatest example for the children of God, Jesus did not avoid worldly people. Jesus did not avoid people with problems. He did not avoid the publicans and the sinners. In fact, he enraged the religious world because he was more with the sinners than he was with the religious people. Why? Because he understood, I can be in the world, but not of the world. I can get in the water, but I still realize that my life source is not the water, it's the Spirit. And we have to understand that we can operate in the world without letting the world dictate who we are. I'm calling on this church tonight and everyone watching to rise with a righteous indignation over an enemy that would dare to assume that he could have his liberty with our children. I pray over every home. I pray over every marriage. I'm here to declare that your child is worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your distant relatives are worth fighting for. I ask you this question. If you don't fight, who will? If you don't reach, who will? If you don't pray, who will? Shutting of our story finds us. Joshua sent two spies to Jericho who was told of the king that Rahab was housing spies. She hid them, and when she was approached in the roof of her house, she told the men that went away, that they went to the gates, and they, she said, you need to get out of here. They're about to close. When they were gone, she approached the men, and she said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water, what you did under the two kings of the Amorites. And as soon as we heard all of this, our hearts did melt. She had one request. She, she said, I don't want money. I don't want position. I don't want notoriety. This is what she said. I want my family saved. I think the most important thing for some, is for someone to join in with Rahab tonight and take that same mindset. I don't care if I ever make a million dollars. I don't care if I ever have the nicest car, the nicest clothes, the nicest house. If I could have one request, I want to join with Rahab and say, I want my family saved. I want my family saved. She let them down by a cord. It was this one act that would lead to the salvation of her family. A deal was made whereby Rahab could be saved. And although it's a simple story, I do find some intriguing details for the next few moments that I want to preach about tonight. The first is this. Your family can be saved 
regardless of your background. You've got to keep in mind who Rahab was. Rahab was a harlot. She was a madam. For all intents and purposes, she was running a brothel. It was not a kingdom. It was not a palace. It was not the nicest of places. It was pretty seedy to say the least. But it goes to show that you don't have to be a who's who to be saved. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row to attract the attention of God. She was the last one you would have picked. She was morally unfit, ethically compromised, and socially bankrupt. Yet God heard her cry when she said, I want my family saved. I'm here tonight to take dominion over any condemnation that would come into your spirit and your mind. It doesn't matter where you come from. It only matters where you're going. It doesn't matter what situation that you crawled out of. It could be a house of ill repute. But God is not a respecter of persons. The Bible says, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All God wants to know is do you want to turn your life around? Do you want to repent of your sins and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I'm here to declare to you tonight, your family can be saved. Your family can be saved. You say, well, my parents, my mom and my dad don't live for God. I don't come from a preacher's family. Here's the beauty of, of, of how God works. God gets the most glory when the odds are stacked against you. God gets more glory. The greater the impossibility, the more glory God gets. Because here in the book of Acts, we find one whose name was Saul. In fact, he was holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen. He was out to get all of the Christians and lock them up and kill them. And God took that one man who you would have thought would be the last person God would use. God took that one man. And we have most of the New Testament. Because the greater the impossibility, the greater the testimony. Rahab, in fact, she made it to the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. To my knowledge, she's the only harlot that made the chapter. But she's not the only harlot God ever saved. Second thing I want to point out is if you want your family saved, there's some work involved. God didn't just say, okay, it's done, you'll be saved. She had to take it upon herself to make sure the means whereby their salvation would take place was intact. The mindset of the world is this. Let someone else do it. Let someone else take care of them. I want a teacher. Right now we've got parents that are, are really understanding the value of a teacher because their children are at home and their parents are at home and, and nerves are being frayed because of children right now. Because their parent, parents, the mindset of the world is I want someone else. I want the teachers to raise them during the day and I want the preacher to raise them on weekends. 
But that's not how this thing works. If you want your family saved, it's going to take you taking some initiative. They said, you want, they said if you want to be saved, here's what you've got to do. You've got to have a, a scarlet thread. That scarlet thread represents salvation. And, 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 and it was her job to make sure that the means of salvation was in place. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job to raise your kids. It's not the preacher's job. But let me tell you what needs to happen right now, especially during this time of quarantine. There needs to be some mamas and some daddies that say, you know what? I've got plenty of time to invest in my children. I've got plenty of time to teach a Bible study to my kids. I've got plenty of time to make sure that they know how to be saved. Look at children of Israel. When it was time for the Passover, they were fixing to be led out of Egypt. The only way they were going to be saved and that's, that firstborn was going to be spared was blood was going to be put on the doorpost. Now, we all always think about the daddy out there putting on the blood. But I want you to think about if you was that firstborn child. I, I, I just got a feeling that there was more than one firstborn child out there going, Daddy! Make sure you got plenty of blood on this doorpost. I think you missed a spot, Daddy. It's my soul at stake. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, and you got to think like a kid, those children's souls are at stake. If we as parents don't do what we know we're supposed to do. Third thing. Bind it. On the window. Bind it. Here that cord is. She wasn't afraid to let the thread remain visible. She wasn't afraid to let everybody see it. In spite of what they said. In spite of her conditions. We got people that they're, they're one way on Sunday and they're one way on Wednesday. But then on Monday and Thursday and Friday, they want to pull the cord in the window because they're afraid it will identify who they are. My friend, this is what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation. If you're ashamed of Him, He'll be ashamed of you. There's some things that we got to bind on the window. They didn't say drape it on the window. When you bind something, that means you put it you put it in place so secure that it can't be moved. You fasten it. You make sure it's there. you got to make sure when the wind blows, it's going to stay in place. It doesn't matter what happens. And you hear this preacher tonight. There's some things that we got to bind in our kids' hearts. Like, like here, O Israel, the, one, the Lord our God is one Lord. You better make sure they know that there's only one God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That Don't just drape that on their heart. You bind it on their heart. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him which is the head of all principality of power. They better understand that Jesus is not in the Godhead, but the Godhead is in Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They better know that. 
They better know that it takes godly living. They better know it takes walking this book. The reason so many young people are leaving truth is because it was never bound like it should be in their heart. Oh, we'll teach them rules. We'll teach them regulations. We'll tell them what not to do, to line up. And we'll call oh, this spiritual maturity one thing if, if we look a certain way. But my friend, you can look the right way and not be spiritually mature. It's about making sure I know it here and I walk it out here. The scarlet thread dictated access to the home. You better believe that Rahab guarded well the window upon which the scarlet thread hung. She didn't let just anything come through that window, lest by chance it caught that thread and ripped it out, and she missed her salvation. I never understood when I was a kid, I'm being transparent with you this evening, never understood why my parents were so protective, why my parents were so guarded, didn't let us do some things until I became a parent. And when I became a parent, it became apparent to me why they were like they were. Because as a parent, it's not my responsibility to keep those kids happy. It's my responsibility to keep them saved. You better guard that home. That music they listen to, you better, you better invade their privacy at the most inopportune times. You better watch what happens. Because if you let just anything come into the home, it might affect the salvation of those children and the salvation of your home. Amen. Musicians come. Rahab wasn't as much worried about what came through the door as she was what came through the window. The door, we can see plainly. We can see what comes in, what goes out. But the window was where her salvation was most critical. Windows a lot smaller, oftentimes taken for granted. Parents, I admonish you tonight. Don't just watch the door. Watch the window. Because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The salvation of our family won't just happen. The church alone, as good as Wallace Ridge is as a church, the best church in the world can't just save your children. Society surely won't change them. But there has to be a soberness of mind come upon us, reaffirming the responsibility of salvation in the home. I believe tonight is the best night for you to check the scarlet thread hanging out the window. I believe, parents, it would be in your best interest and in your family's best interest during this next month that we are quarantined, if I can use that word. I simply, I simply believe it's God's way of giving the church time to readjust and reassess and to prepare ourselves for what's to come. If our families are going to be saved, 
It's going to be because we as parents did everything we could to make it happen. Don't just tell your kids how to live. You show your kids how to live. You say, well, what happens when they become of age and they go do their own thing? You know what? There comes a point when they're no longer your responsibility. You do everything you can. And then they have choices that they make. God understands that. You put it in them. And when they need it, it'll be there. I'm admonishing. I'm encouraging. I'm prayerfully asking Wallace Ridge right now. I want you to lift your hands wherever you're at watching this. Husbands, if you're the head of your home and you're living for God, I want you to begin to pray over those kids. I want you to begin to pray over your home. Ladies, if you're watching this, I want you to pray over those children. I want you to take authority over anything that would try to come against that home. In the name of Jesus, as they begin to sing, I'm going to, as pastor of this great church, I'm going to begin to pray. I want you to reach out to God right where you're at. Lord Jesus, I pray for every family unit in our church. Wherever they're at right now, Lord, you know. I pray the angels of the Lord would be dispatched to their home. I plead the blood of Christ over their kids, over every parent, over every grandparent. Lord Jesus, let us go through our home with a fine-tooth comb. I pray against every spirit that would try to invade. I pray against every attitude that's not of God. I take authority right now in the name of Jesus. Oh God, strengthen our families. Strengthen their homes. Strengthen their finances. I pray over my own children, over Sadie and Sophie and Ava and Amelia. I pray over my wife in the name of Jesus. God, let us make sure that scarlet thread is intact. Let us make sure our home is what it needs to be. Fall on them right now in the name of Jesus. Let your glory rest on them right now in the name of Jesus. Let your anointing be upon your church right now. Wherever you're at, reach out to God. Reach out to God, sing it with them, and worship the Lord.
Every chain is broken, we're gonna be 